Welcome to the Naturopathic Life and Living Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Francis, where I'm going to be talking about all kinds of things underneath the sun, everything that has to do with life, living, and your healthcare. So today I'm going to talk about stress. Stress is something that is perceived in the outside of our bodies that is adding undue pressure to us. Depending on how you perceive the extra pressures in your life depends on how you feel that you are dealing with stress. So the one thing that's really important to notice about stress is that it is based on perception. And like many things that people aren't aware of, go back to our childhood days. So if you were the little kid who fell down and your caregivers let you fall down and stand back up, you learned that you fall down and you get back up. If you were a little kid who fell down and your caregivers came and helped you stand up without letting you stand up on your own, then you learned to understand that when you fall down, people are going to come and help you stand back up again. People are going to come to your rescue. If you are the kind of person who fell down when you were little and your caregivers ran to your rescue, screaming, yelling, and crying, asking if you were okay, covering you up with lots of bandages and kissing you and rubbing your hair and all kinds of other things, you were the kind of person then that learned that when you fall down, it's this big, huge, scary thing that you are supposed to respond emotionally to. And depending on, you know, how they're carried on is how you learn to be able to respond in the situation. And a lot of people don't realize that it actually is the way that you were raised that gives an imprint in your mind of how life actually is. So regardless of what happens later on, if you had those earlier childhood memories from birth to seven years old, because that's when we're in a state of theta brainwave, which is the same as a hypnotic state. So basically you are just absorbing everything, learning how to figure out how to survive in your environment like how do people interact? How do things happen? How do you respond? All of those kinds of things. All that stuff happens when you're little and you're so little, in fact, that you don't even remember or realize that that stuff was happening and that that's the information that you absorbed until later on in life. And that's also why when people are upset about something and then after they're an adult and then they have kids of their own and they realize, oh my gosh, I just acted just like my parents, right? Or, oh my gosh, I did never thought I would say that thing that my parent always said to me that I hated. I just said it to my kid or, I just wanted to say it to my kid or, you know, such as it is. So anyway, stress is based on perception. So one thing about stress is that you cannot grow and you cannot improve if you don't have stress. So if you take it just from the example of muscles, right? So if you think about it as just the ability for your muscles to uh, get stronger, if you do not have any outside stresses, any pressures onto your muscles, then your muscles don't get used, then they atrophy and so they get weak. So people who don't have control over their muscles, like somebody who has muscular dystrophy and their muscles break down from not being used, that inhibits your ability to use those muscles. So you need to be able to have stress in order to be able to gain strength in order to be able to function, quite honestly. So um, if you think about it like a cow, so there's actually Kobe beef and they take their cattle and they hang them so that way their feet don't even touch the ground. So then they don't put any stress at all whatsoever on their muscles from having any pressure of having to hold themselves up on the ground or anything like that because it creates a very tender meat. Now, what does that mean? It means that there's no strength in the fibers of that muscle. So that's pretty much what happens in people as well. So the way that your bones are actually oriented, the way that embryologically they grew is that when you were forming inside your mother, the way that your bones were layered from the inside out of 
above your bone where each layer was set in an angle on, in the opposite direction. So say the first layer out from center is going to be all of those cells are layered off angle to the left. Well, then the next row of bone cells are going to be all angled to the right. And then the third layer, they're going to be all angled to the left. Fourth layer, all angled to the right sequentially. So that way, when there's an outside force that's pushed on top of it, it causes it to be able to support that weight. Whereas if every single row was all angled in the same direction, then when you put pressure on that bone, you put force on that, it would just fall over in that direction. So if you think of it as taking the example of trying to take, like, say, three baseball bats and trying to create a stool with it, if you ever did that as a kid or growing up or whatever, trying to, to create things to sit on for yourself, you take three different bats and you angle them all in different directions, then that gives you a support. So that way, when your weight goes on top of it, it gives an equal amount of pressure in different directions. So that way, it's able to sustain and hold the weight that got put on it. So it's the same thing. If you tried to take three different bats and angle them all in the same direction and sit on it, it's not going to withhold. It's going to make you fall straight down. So you have to be able to have opposing forces being able to support you. So that way, incoming pressures don't make you collapse. And so with support, you can withstand a lot of outside stress and pressure. But without any, you can't really do much more than what you can do all on your own. When you have extra forces coming at you, you really have to brace yourself against it. But with extra support from those around you. So emotionally, when you have people who you're able to, you know, tell things to and talk about and, you know, make yourself feel like what you're perceiving isn't as bad as you thought it was. So the thing with that is the amount of force extra above what you're currently dealing with that is going to put some pressure on you, but you still are able to maintain where you're at with that pressure. Now, if you end up with too much outside force, then that overpowers what you're able to withstand and then you collapse under that. And it's all based on perception. So that's like a physical stress that makes sense to us when we think about a physical kind of stress of like, okay, so if I don't put any kind of weight on my muscles, then my muscles aren't going to ever be able to grow because how do your muscles grow by having little tiny micro tears in them that heal and then that provides more strength, right? They have to be able to grow. So then you have more nutrients coming in, adding in extra protection, ability to withhold more. So as you're tested, you know, subjected to these outside forces into your body, then you have the capability of increasing your strength and then being able to have a stronger threshold, a higher threshold, a higher plateau of what you were once able to be able to withstand. And it's the same thing emotionally. So whenever you're dealing with something emotionally, like you have all these demands on your time, you have uh, whatever going on with your schedule, you have outside stressors coming in that you have to deal with. Now, whether it has to do with your housing situation or getting to work or getting along with your family or, you know, your kids or your spouse or just whatever extra demands on your time that are making you have to alter your life from what you would choose to do on your own. If there was nobody telling you something to do otherwise, then, you know, how would you deal with that? A stress is like, okay, hold on. Something from the outside is changing what I'm naturally doing and I have to be able to adapt to be able to accommodate that change. A lot of it is how you perceive that that stress is altering your life. So if you are the kind of person who is adaptable where, oh, something happens. Oh, okay. You know, something falls in front of you while you're running. Do you jump over it? Do you come to a screeching halt? You know, how do you, how do you deal with those changes in your situation? Then that makes a difference on how you are able to perceive what's going on and therefore how much distress that causes you in order to be able to overcome that. Now, I just said distress. So we have stress, which is distress, which is, you know, what most people think of as stress, you 
you know, like that, that stuff that is difficult to deal with. And then there's eustress, which is EU and then stress. So that is something that happens that changes what your environment is that you have to accommodate to, but it's not necessarily something that's bad. It's like, like you're getting married. That's a good thing, right? That should be a good thing that you're getting married, but there are still changes that come out of that. There are still things that you have to accommodate your situation and lifestyle to that is different now that you're getting married than something that you dealt with in the past. You know, now instead of just being able to freely go and do whatever you want, because that's what you want, however you want, that now hopefully you're going to be communicating with this new person in your life and, you know, making decisions together about how things are going to happen, whether that's, you know, emotionally schedule, if you have kids, how to deal with that, you know, how to decorate the house, who's going to wash the dishes, you know, any of any of those kinds of things there's going to be communication about. And that causes a change in your routine. So that is an outside force that is altering who you are, that is forcing you to have to be able to adapt to that new thing and then grow from it. So there is outside forces that come in that you have to deal with. How are you going to respond to it? The way that you respond to it is going to be based off of the way your caregivers responded to you and the changes in their environment that you got to witness how they responded to things. So were your, were your parents or caregivers the people that whenever some change happened, they jumped up and, you know, full force were ready to run into that situation, tackle it, get it all resolved. Like something happened, let's take care of it right away. Or were they the kind of people that were like, oh my gosh, this thing is going to happen. How do I deal with this? I don't, I don't know how to deal with that. Or, you know, did a lot of contemplating about it, worrying about it, stressing about it. That's a distress, right? So something that is negatively impacting you. So that it's causing worry, it's causing stress. It could lead to traumas, have those what people call negative emotion neurotransmitters flying around through your body, or I should say swimming around, right? It all depends. And see, that's the thing is because even if it's in your same family, different people can have different responses to the same stressor. So the same one situation can be perceived differently by different people, even in the same household. So you might have one person in your family who's the go-getter that gets all excited when something comes up that they want to jump in there and tackle that situation. They want to overcome that. They like running and jumping over all of those hurdles. They're like, yeah, and they're empowered by it. They get fueled up by new things and change and, you know, stuff like that. And then you could have somebody else that is just barely affected by anything and is just like so chill that just like whatever happens, happens, and they don't really have any response to it at all. Go with the flow kind of thing. And then you could have somebody else that is just so petrified of being able to do anything about it that every single thing causes them stress. And once your stress comes into that physical, aspect where you're involving your physiology in there and you're getting neurotransmitters in there. And depending on how you're capable and able of dealing with that, then you could end up with physiological changes that are altering your biochemistry and your cells and your tissues. And you have all these processes going on that your body doesn't know how to handle. And then you end up becoming susceptible to something that happens because you're in a weaker state of existence. So for example, if I'm the kind of person who stresses out about stuff all of the time and then something happens and I get really stressed about it, well, then that's going to weaken my immunity, right? It's going to weaken my ability to handle being in an environment where there's a virus or some kind of sickness around or something like that. So then I get that and I end up having the problem and then I end up getting sick and then that stresses me out even more. You know, you see where I'm going with this? So so stress is actually a very big, huge problem in our culture where the majority of conditions and diseases they come as a result of stress and not being able to accommodate to these alterations in our environment to be able to 
adapt and work through what we're dealing with to get to a better place where that new change becomes our new normal. And so a lot of people don't know how to go from A to B to C. And I'm going to say A is your original existence. B is the time during when you are dealing with whatever outside stressor. And C is an integrated aspect of you once that stressor is no longer there, but you've already dealt with it, you're over it, and now you're in a different new place that should be in a better place than A because you were able to grow. The good news is that if you're not resilient in the first place, if you haven't already had those supportive means to be able to allow you to be able to handle these types of things on your own while you were growing up, there are things that you can do that can build your resiliency. There are ways to sort of hijack your past patterns and abilities or lack of abilities to be able to manage those kinds of things that are happening. So even if the past, if you used to be somebody that, you know, got really, really stressed out on stuff, I'm sure that was a learned behavior. You know, that's what I've been talking about. And then prior to that, before you learned those freak out behaviors and and modes of, of existing, you were at a place where you were in a state of curiosity, where you wanted to learn how to walk and grow. And, you know, even when you fell down, when you were, you know, trying to stand up, holding the edge of the table or whatever, you plopped on the floor and you stood back up again. So then there was a state of existence for you when you did have that time of not being emotionally stressed out about wanting to do new things. And so you can tap in on that. And then when you were younger, see, there's this this cardiac doctor. You're familiar with the ACEs questionnaire. Some of the adverse childhood experiences and people don't realize is that this, this questionnaire came out of a study of obese women and he would put his patients on these weight loss diets and when they would lose a whole bunch of weight but then they would get to a certain weight and then they would pack on the pounds way more than they lost them or way faster than they lost them and he did a study and realized that these people who were not capable of losing the weight essentially were keeping it on because that was their barrier to not having to relive the trauma so using that extra weight extra pounds extra pressure to be able to push up against and provide a barrier to the the inside forces that they were dealing with, all of those traumas of abuse that they had when they were younger. They're not able to be back at the weight that they were when those traumas happened. And so he ended up creating this questionnaire, which ended up being this ACEs study. People don't realize that that questionnaire mainly came out of middle-class white people that didn't have a economic disadvantage, shall we say. And so, I mean, I grew up and, you know, the happy little girl down the street had four of the, the ACEs questions. Now, what does that mean? Uh, why does four make a difference with that number? Because they say that if you have four or more um, of these questions that you can answer yes to, like these different adverse things that happened to you in your childhood, that you're more likely to have concerns and problems and things like that because stress creates dysfunction and disease. And so I think there are maybe 14, not looking at it right now, so I'm just pulling a number from the top of my head, possibly 14 different questions that they ask you. And it includes things like, did you have a parent that was incarcerated? Did you witness your mom being abused, you know, different things like that, different kind of problematic situations while you were growing up and you had to deal with. And honestly, I can claim every single one of them. So extra stress, right? Just depends. What environment did you grow up in? What were you exposed to? So then what a lot of people don't talk about is the resiliency. So there's also a resiliency questionnaire. And I think maybe that one has 10, 10 or 12. And so these are questions like, was there a time in your life when you did feel supported? Oh, was there an adult that you could go to where you felt safe with? Things like that. And so the more resiliency you have, the more capable you are to bounce back from stressors that knock you down, right? That's something to consider as well. What does all this mean? It means that it doesn't really matter what your history was. You can change who you are now. You can 
create methods and modes and ways to be able to overcome your stressors. And because stress is based on perception and the way that you see something, the way that you witness it, the way that when you see something, how it looks to you, the meaning that you make out of whatever thing is happening, that determines which neurotransmitters flow, which determines how you feel in the moment. Because if you're running on adrenaline, then you're going to be feeling completely different than if you're running on serotonin. So depending on whatever's going on, being in that flow state when you're all happy and good, you're not going to have as much of that negative stress. Quite honestly, how can you deal with both at the same time? You can't. You're either going to be like super excited and yeah, you're in your zone, you're running, you're high on life, you're doing this amazing stuff that you feel awesome with, which by the way, when you're in that state, it's a flow state, the natural high in the zone, like whatever you want to call that for yourself to make it make sense to you. That's when your immune system works because you've got all of the so-called positive neurotransmitters running through. They are nourishing your cells. They're making you feel amazing. You can check the load genome project if you want to get more information on that. Stephen Kotler is amazing. He's written some books and he's doing a lot of things. So if you want to look into that, go ahead and do that. I mean, this is why when you're in the state of flow, your immune system starts operating better. So if you're feeling sick and say your partner is kind of a little bit in the mood and then, you know, you start to feel a little bit tingly and things like that, then you can go ahead and have sex, make love. And then after it's over, then you might feel like you're going to crash and you're sick again. But in the moment, you're fine because all of those happy hormones make you healthy. There's a lot to this. This is why stress makes people sicker and why not being stressed makes you better since stress is based on perception. If you can change the way that you witness your environment, you change your mindset. It's the biology of belief. This is Bruce Lipton, somebody else. If you want to check out another author, you can check out his work. What you believe is what your reality actually is. And so if you're witnessing something and it's stressing you out because you're seeing it as this bad negative situation, well, then that's going to cause you distress. You're going to have stress from that. That's going to be a stressful situation environment. But if you're witnessing something and you can see that, oh, it's, it's not what I thought it was. That's, oh, okay, it's fine. It's not, it's not a bad thing. Like, okay, well, then you don't have those hormones rushing around. You don't have that stress. And then you're not putting yourself in a state of susceptibility where, again, you're in an environment possibly where there's a lot of different people and people are coughing and sneezing and not going to catch that cold, so to say. How does this make a difference? How can you do something about it? Well, change your mindset. How do you do that? There's all kinds of ways of getting yourself to slow down. So you can rest, you can meditate, you can practice mindfulness, you can connect with people on a spiritual and soulful level, you can have really amazing, great friends, you can take a walk, spend time in nature, take your socks off, walk around on the grass, polarity, there's a polarity in your body, there's a polarity in the planet. And so the energy regulation and balancing of walking around barefoot on the planet that helps to rebalance and stabilize energetics. So you know, that's something else they call it grounding. And there's been studies on that if you want to check that out. So there are so many things. I mean, you can laugh, you can um, watch a comedian, spend some quality time throwing a frisbee around in the yard with your kids, pet an animal, not a rabid one, but go spend some time with uh, with a therapy dog. There's different things that you can do that are natural and healthy. And then of course, your mind is in such a state where you're just going and going and going. There are other alternative methods that research is going through and you can check out MAPS, M-A-P-S, and see what kind of stuff they're doing with psychedelics because psychedelics used to be medicinals that got outlawed and now years and years of continued study and commitment from our MAPS people are bringing those new studies around again and showing the benefits of it. So if you've heard of like MDMA or ayahuasca or using cannabis for PTSD, then spiritual plant connection that interacts with the nervous system to be able to allow for a difference of flow. And so it's like inhibiting the inhibitors of your so-called positive emotions and being 
able to really access experiences of life. So there are so many ways that you can overcome and move beyond these states to be able to bring yourself to a healthier place in your mind, which changes into having a healthier state in your body, which increases your overall health, your longevity, improves your life. All right, everybody, that ends our episode for today. I hope you were able to get some helpful information to be able to live more naturally. You can find me online at canassist.me. That's C-A-N-N-A-S-S-I-S-T dot M-E. This is Dr. Francis saying enjoy, have fun, and until next time, bye guys. Bye.